You are listening to the Clergy Chick Podcast. My name is Rhonda Blevins. I'm the Clergy Chick. From September the 8th, 2019 at Chapel by the Sea in Clearwater Beach, Florida, the text is Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 33. Now large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and he turned and said to them, Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even life itself cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it will begin to ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to wage war against another king, will not sit down first to consider whether he is able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000? If he cannot, then, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for the terms of peace. So therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. On occasion, I'll sit down to watch TV with my husband. And there's a new phenomenon that I don't remember from when I was younger, this thing called pharmaceutical ads. Do you remember that when you were younger? Like, I don't know when that started happening, but now we'll watch those pharmaceutical ads, and, you know, they'll say, if your symptoms include da-da-da, then you might have da. And it doesn't matter what it is. When we're watching those commercials, my husband has it. There could be three people on the planet with that disorder. My husband has it. He'll, he'll sit there and go, I've got that symptom. I've got that symptom. I, I have that disease. And I'll, I'll look at him and say, honey, you do not have ovarian cancer. You don't even have ovarians. And then the commercial will go on and you know how they list all the side effects. It goes something like this. Try Floraflor. For itchy, watery eyes, it's floor floor. Side effects may include nausea, vomiting, water weight gain, lower back pain, receding hairline, eczema, septoria, psoriasis, itching, chafing clothing, liver spots, blood clots, ringworm, excessive body over, uneven tire wear, paroria, gonorrhea, diarrhea, halitosis, scoliosis, loss of bladder control, hammer toe, the shanks, low sperm count, warped floors, hunchback, heart attack, low resale value on your home, feline leukemia, athlete's foot, head lice, club foot, MSMD, VD, fleas, anxiety, sleeplessness, drowsiness, poor gas mileage, tooth decay, parvo, warts, unibrow, lazy eye, fruit flies, chest pains, clogged drains, hemorrhoids, dry heaving, and sexual dysfunction. (laughs) And after all that, I'm like, you know, I'll just keep my itchy, watery eyes. Thank you. I want to give Jeff Foxworthy Thanks. I'm going to give Jeff Foxworthy a little bit of credit for that. You know, you might be a redneck if you quote Jeff Foxworthy in your sermons. <laughs> F- 
pharmaceuticals have side effects, and let me suggest, so does faith. In our scripture lesson today, we read this difficult passage. It's it's a tricky passage where Jesus warns us of the side effects of following him. Jesus was apparently not into church growth. He didn't say, come with me and you'll get all the donuts and all the fresh coffee you want. No, he said, come to me only if you can hate your father, mother, sister, brother, wife, kids. Only if you're ready to give up everything, even if you're ready to die on a cross. That's that's when you can come to me. Church growth experts hate this passage. But this passage, on one hand, is, is kind of fun if you're, you know, engaging in conversation with a biblical literalist, you know, somebody that says, I believe the Bible literally, period. And you say, oh, you do, huh? You say, and you say you're a disciple, you love Jesus. Of course. Well, do you love your kids? Well, of course I do. Well, Jesus says that you're not allowed to love your kids and be a disciple. Oh, well, I, Jesus didn't mean that, literally. You could go on and you could say, you know, that's a pretty nice car you drive there. Jesus said that you have to give up all your possessions in order to follow him. So let me help you in your discipleship, and I'll take that car off your hands there. Well, Jesus didn't mean that, literally. Oh, he didn't, did he? And the conversation could go on like that. On the other hand, not too long ago, a while back, I was um, on Twitter, and I found myself sucked in. You know how social media goes sucked into this kind of debate with what I'll call an angry atheist. Now, there are plenty of lovely atheists out there. I have friends who are atheists, but this person was an angry atheist. And he, he would criticize the church, and I found myself agreeing with his criticisms. And then he, found, you know, then he would discount the theology, the really narrow theology that he had been brought up with. And I joined him in discounting that really narrow theology and he said well so why do you call yourself a christian then if you agree with my criticisms of the church and you discount this theology i said here's the reason it's jesus the epitome of love to which he countered or a cult leader who told everybody to hate their parents it's like oh touche angry atheist touche what did jesus mean with this passage gotta hate your father mother sister brother spouse kids gotta give up everything carry the cross well with difficult passages like this and and others in the scriptures there's here's a pro tip i like giving you pro tips here's a pro tip when you come across difficult passages like this one thing that might help is to ask is this passage of scripture prescriptive or descriptive Prescriptive meaning, is this a a commandment for all time and all places? You must do this in order to be my disciples. Or is, is this passage descriptive? Describing what might happen if you are to follow Jesus. And me, I read this passage as descriptive. Jesus is offering the side effects of what might happen to his followers, if they choose to stick with him. Richard Rohr, Father Richard Rohr, offers additional help in understanding this text. 
He said that the major blocks getting in the way of discipleship or spiritual growth for most of us is what we would now call the collective, the crowd, our society, our extended family. Some call it the crab bucket syndrome. You know, you try to get out, but the other crabs just keep pulling you back in. What passes for morality or spirituality in the vast majority of people's lives is the way that everybody they grew up with thinks. Some would call it conditioning or even imprinting. And without very real inner work, most folks never move beyond it. You might get beyond it in a negative sense by reacting or rebelling against it, using various methods of escape. But it is much less common to get out of the crab bucket in a positive way. That is what we want here. Jesus uses quite strong words to push us out of the family nest and to name a necessary suffering at the most personal, counterintuitive, and sentimental level possible. Wes Daniels, a theologian, adds to this. He says, in other words, Jesus quietly tells us that the cost of wholeness is to break rank. It is to refuse to play the roles that have been so destructive in your life. It is to refuse to go along with the game. It is to accept that you no longer need validation from family in order to be who you were meant to be. Another way, another thing that's helpful in interpreting a passage like this is to make sure you know the context the most dangerous, one, one theologian says the most dangerous thing in the world is to read one verse of Scripture. You've got to set it in context. And so what's the context here where Jesus was teaching? You've got to hate your father, mother, sister, brother, spouse, kids. got to give up all your possessions. What's the context? Well, we're in Luke chapter 14, but back in chapter 9, Jesus says something that kind of changes the course uh, 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 and the content of the book of the Gospel of Luke. And what he said in chapter 9 was this, or Luke says about him, that Jesus set his sights towards Jerusalem. In other, way, in other words, in chapter 9, we begin to see Jesus thinking about entering Jerusalem for the last time. And if you've been here and with my teaching long enough, you know that I believe that Jesus was entering Jerusalem planning on two staged protests. The first was against Rome, mocking Pilate as he rode into a donkey. That was the first staged protest. And the second was what? He entered the temple and did what? Turned over the tables, a protest against the temple authorities. He was planning two staged protests. And if you're a pauper in Jerusalem in this period of time Rome is the authority and Rome isn't going to let you get away with that these protests this is not something you're going to do if you want to keep your life you're going to get in trouble big time and what Jesus is doing here I believe is he's he's making sure that he's not sugarcoating what's happening yeah you may see me healing people you may see me inspiring people but here's what's at stake folks if you go to Jerusalem with me you're going to have to be prepared to give it all up. Because if you go to Jerusalem with me, after that, everything will change. Nothing will be the same. There's a chance you could lose your father, mother, sister, brother, your spouse, your kids. There's a chance that you'll lose everything. 
there's a chance you may even be executed by Rome. So I'm not sugarcoating it here. If you're going to follow me, this is what's at stake. Are you going to stick with me? Are you in? This is your chance to get out. And that's how I interpret this passage. When you boil it all down, for us, though, today, what does it mean? Because we're not literally walking with Jesus to Jerusalem. Figuratively, maybe, but not literally. And we're not under the oppressive regime of Rome, are we? So what does it mean for us? What matters? Here's what I think matters. If you're going to say you're a follower of Christ, if you're going to be a disciple, you have to be ready to say yes to Jesus, even when it's uncomfortable. You have to be ready to give it up, to get beyond the crab bucket, to leave it all behind if the moment calls for it. I have a friend, she's a lady in her 60s, very uh, successful professionally, and as she's been able to retire, she's been able to commit more seriously to her faith. And what's happened to her as she's made this commitment more seriously to her faith is her friends at the country club have kind of pushed her away and marginalized her. It's been hard on her to try to get up out of the crab bucket with her friends at the country club just trying to pull her back down in. So the question today, as we hear Jesus call to us from throughout the ages, will you come and follow me if I call your name? Will you go where you don't know and never be the same? Will you leave yourself behind if I but call your name? Will you care for cruel and kind and never be the same? Will you risk the hostile stare should your life attract or scare? Will you let me answer prayer in you and you in me? What matters? Saying yes and meaning it. No matter the side effects. Thanks for tuning in to the Clergy Chick Podcast. Until next time, keep on shining.